This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, boy. Bad news. Bad news. I don't like this at all. Four Proud Boy members found guilty of seditious conspiracy. The Proud Boys. Oh, wait. What are you talking about? They're white supremacists. No, they're not. It's one of the biggest lies the media has ever told. They keep telling it. Enrique Tario and the Proud Boys should sue every time they've been called white supremacists. They are not. They are the opposite. Okay? They care about ideas. They care about our country. They care about... America and uh, they have been now they're 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 no kidding political prisoners guilty of seditious conspiracy. This is a big deal, federal charge, and um, it sounds really bad, right? Were they trying to overthrow the government? How do you overthrow the government without any weapons, huh? What do you, it is a joke case, but they have very little respect for uh, the people, especially the people in Washington D.C. Because they uh, they got jurors to go along with it. They manipulated them. They find it's an overwhelmingly Democrat town, all right? Overwhelmingly, happens to be an overwhelmingly uh, city of color, right? And perhaps, just perhaps, uh, the prosecutors played this in a way, you know, oh, these are white supremacists and they're coming for you, making the jurors feel like they were victims on January 6th. If you look at the local coverage down there, anyway, I am really disappointed I'm really disappointed. I think these are, I think these are decent guys. I think they've been lied about. You know, Enrique Tario, what did he do? You know, they threw him in jail. Get this. They threw him in jail about two years ago for burning a Black Lives Matter flag in the street. He burned a Black Lives Matter flag and they threw him in jail for about four months. Now, I don't think you should burn stuff. Okay. You can burn stuff at a barbecue pit, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, if only he had burned the flag of Israel. No questions asked. If only he had burned the American flag. You know, the flag of Israel and the American flag were actually burned right outside of uh, where I am right now, right up the block. Essa Bagel. There was a riot, an anti-Israel, anti-Semitic riot right in front of Essa Bagel. And um, that's fine because uh, they were, uh, well, it was anti-Semitic. And, oh, boy, I got to tell you, there is so much of our media and undercurrent that is anti-Semitic, anti-Israel. And... They, uh, they're in agreement. Anyway, what's going on with the Proud Boys is terrible. I know you've heard it a million times that these guys are white supremacists and they're not. They're not the head of the damn thing. The head. His name is Enrique Tarrio. You think some good old boy, uh, racist is going to want to hang out with a guy named Enrique? Of course not. All right. These are not bigoted people. They're not. It doesn't matter. His father was from, uh, I think his father's black, his mother's Cuban. You know what they call that? They actually call that Afro-Cuban. They actually still call it, it's not African-Cuban, it's Afro-Cuban. And that's his ethnicity. And there are dozens of members who are Hispanic, who are black, who are Asian, white guys. It doesn't matter. It's about the ideas. Pro-America, freedom, you're allowed to think and do and say what you want. Oh, by the way, 
Our children should not be hanging around with drag queens in school. All right? All this stuff. All this. Now, wait a second. What about all the, they had plans to take over, to take over the House of Representatives. I saw that email. You know, you can put whatever the hell you want in an email and you can send it to somebody. And then what? What does it mean? Were they actually going to act on it? Did they actually? It's funny. If you are a leftist, if you are pro-abortion, you can go in and have a sit-in, right? You can stop government proceedings. You can uh, take over a building and just occupy it forever. You know that happened a couple of years ago here in New York? It used to happen all the time in universities. They occupied Cooper Union, the engineering school, for about nine months. But guess what? They were to the left, so it was all beautiful. It was all beautiful. The moment you are a conservative and you use left-wing techniques, perhaps, right, to yell and scream and shout and, uh, I don't know, sit down in a place where you're not supposed to. Enrique Tarrio wasn't even there on on January 6th. Oh, but they were working for the president, right? They were working for the president. Well, um, President Trump, I tell you what, he has this this clairvoyant uh, capability. And in the debate, they were trying to get him to condemn the Proud Boys, right? Remember all that? You must condemn white supremacy, sir. All right, I condemn it. You must condemn it again. I, I Okay, I condemn it again. You must say it louder. Now it gets to a point where shut up. All right, your question assumes somehow that I am a white supremacist or I'm a racist. I don't have to go around defending myself, all right? When did you last stop beating your wife, sir? Right, that kind of thing. Stop it. Anyway, it happened in the middle of the debate. Remember, Chris Wallace and Biden ganged up, tried to gang up on Trump. Listen to this. Do you want to call him? What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacist and white supremacist. White supremacist and white supremacist. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing own, problem. This, this is a left-wing This is a left-wing problem. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you yeah, got right. Not yeah. malicious. That's what oh, his, really. FBI, his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, his FBI director said, well, he wasn't working for Trump. He was working for the swamp, Christopher Ray. Yeah, I'd like to see the Antifa, right? Antifa. It's an idea that took over the Atlanta police facility, right? Remember? See that? Starting fire. It was an idea that took over downtown Seattle. It was an idea. An idea that rioted and burned down buildings in Minneapolis and across the... Just an idea. Just an idea. It was a notion. It was a notion. No, they had command and control. They have people. They have websites. They have... Yeah, they have a confederation. Now, actually, uh, Proud Boys is a club. It's a club. And when he said stand back and stand by, because he knew it was a trap. He knew that these guys aren't white supremacists. Stand. What is he going to say to the, the Proud Boys? I think he was taken aback momentarily. And he said, you know what? Stand back and stand by. He was not going to condemn them. And what does that mean? What is that? How is that inherently? Is that dangerous? Are those fighting words? Stand back and stand by. Anyway, I'm really upset about this. Um, I talked to Enrique Tarrio's mother before. Great woman. Um, her son is up against the entire system. These federal prosecutors play games in Washington, D.C., and in other places uh, across the country. The Sixth Amendment says you should have a non-partial jury. You're entitled, your constitutional right, a non-partial jury. Is it a non-partial jury when it's 98% pro-Biden, pro-Democrat? Hmm? Is it? Can it be? Can anyone, can you get a fair trial? We're overwhelmingly the uh, the population is against you politically. 
I, I don't think you can. You got to go to a, I don't know how you fix that. You go to a place with low voter turnout. You go, how do you address that? But they know that and they've known that for a long time. Just like here in New York City, what they're doing to Trump with the uh, crazy uh, grand jury, right? And just portray this guy as a monster. You hear it all the time on the media and here's your chance to indict him. Well, of course you're going to take that chance, right? Lester Holt tells me every night that he's an insurrectionist, white supremacist. Of course we got to indict him. Uh, that's how it works. You poison the atmosphere. And good people, innocent people, people with not a lot of means could go to jail for many, many years. There, he's facing like 30 years in prison, Enrique Tarrio, not a white supremacist, okay? Um, bad news all around. How do you feel? How do you feel? Hey, the Tucker Carlson thing is still big. And um, one of the reasons, hey, by the way, the reason really why he got fired, all right, the reason beyond anything else is that the government wanted him to be fired. The government. And why do they want him to be fired? Because he undermined their precious January 6th narrative that it was a pro-Trump insurrection, right? But when Tucker Carlson found evidence that suggested it was none of those things, actually, it looks like it was a great big setup. Listen to what he said here in his report. This is from, I think, March 8th. Tucker Carlson, the new exclusive footage that he had from January 6th, the footage that the January 6th committee that, uh, that did not want us to see. They refused to give it to us. Kevin McCarthy, and this is one of the good things he did, one of the good things he did, gave it to Tucker. And you've probably seen this by now. If you haven't, he narrates it pretty well. Listen to this. Uh, where is this? Uh, cut 23, please. Cut. Virtually. Go ahead. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tape show. The Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Jacob Chansley is the horns guy, huh? How about that? They didn't try to slow him down. They were showing him around the joint. Now, this is dynamite information. And Chuck Schumer loses his mind. Not only Chuck Schumer, uh, but uh, Republicans, everybody, big tech, big media, everybody says, you can't say that on TV. How dare you? And I, I found this uh, for the first time. Listen to how Chuck Schumer talks here, right? Listen to what he's actually asking for. Cut 25. Rupert Murdoch, who has admitted they were lies and said he regretted it, has a special obligation to stop Tucker Carlson from going on tonight now that he's seen how he has perverted and slimed the truth and from letting him go on again and again and again. Again and again and again. Sounds like the majority leader of the United States Senate wants Tucker Carlson out of that job. Um, well, he got his wish. Fox News caved. Oh, I know that horrible, horrible uh, text message, right? Tucker Carlson's a racist because, what did he say again? He's not a racist. He's a very empathetic guy, actually. And you know what? Not everything that people think uh, or text is politically correct or is totally beautiful or is meant for the eyes of millions of other people. People think things. People also sometimes make mistakes. People, You know what Apple actually offers right now? If you send a text message... In the first two minutes, you can actually withdraw the text message. You can pull it back so the person never actually sees it. You can pull back a message. How about that? That's a new feature. 
what do they say? It's not even worth. Uh, I mean, first of all, before I get there, do we have the Barack Obama? The, where's the Barack Obama saying that people have all kinds of uh, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of things here? Yeah, cut cut twenty eight. Listen to this. Whether you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or of Middle Eastern descent, we have all seen this bigotry in our own lives at some point. We heard it at times in our own homes. If we're honest, perhaps we've heard prejudice in our own heads and felt it in our own hearts. We know that. We know that. All right. So um, interesting, right? I mean, look, not everything I've ever thought is perfect. Same for you. Same for no matter who you are, no matter what color skin you have, right? Of course, you think all kinds of passing thoughts, whatever, it's there. It's there. Tucker Carlson, two years ago, says to somebody, uh, what did he even say? He said, white men don't fight like that. Okay? I mean, I've heard Joe Biden say, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. <laughs> What's racist, really? What's racist? What should incite a total media freakout, A or B? White men don't fight like that, or B, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Which one? Of course. The answer is, of course, A, and here's the freakout. Cut 26. It was the single thing, the single text message that gave Fox executives something they couldn't look away from, right? An undeniable glimpse into a deeply depraved human being. Deeply and depraved! Wow! And then the friends join in. I mean, this is, this is, oh boy, this is overdrive and outrage and overdrive. Cut 27. This is a sick person speaking joyfully and enthusiastically about a desire for for people to beat up another person he is voicing homicidal rage but but let's not an enthusiasm an enthusiasm where's the red line it is this depraved indifference to violence this is an explicit acknowledgement of racial superiority in the sense that this is worse and other things he said, the text, because it is an expression of homicidal rage. This is not the last that we're going to hear about text messages that are promoting violence and promoting racism coming from Tucker Carlson. Wow. Wow. That sounds bad. Tucker Carlson has been a monster all of these years. A monster. It's not. It's fake news. <laughs> uh, and oh, by the way, it's kind of faded away. Is it right? Are people saying, are people still talking about, I would love to go through Nicole Wallace's phone. Hmm? I'd love to see uh, all the communication she's had with men over the years. Hmm? Wouldn't you? It'd be interesting. This is a woman who flirted her way into a top job in the White House. Flirted her way. You can see it. I proved it last night. This is a person who uses her uh, position for all kinds of uh, interesting endeavors. Hmm. Uh, person, a person's phone is like a person's brain, all right? There's all kinds of stuff in there, all right? There's good and bad in everybody, okay? Hate to say it, but uh, with the help of God, the good will win. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Can we hear the most racist moment from a president ever? All right. This is probably the most racist thing any occupant of the White House has ever said. 
Uh, right? I mean, I'm sure somebody in the 19th century said something worse, but um, publicly, I don't know. Let me hear it. Well, you know, Thanks so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. You know, wow, huh? You ain't black. To a black man, right to his face, you ain't black. You can't figure out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. And by the way, that was not even a barely noticed, barely noticed. That was the gaffe of the freaking millennium. I mean, just you don't. This man, this man is going around lecturing everybody about race, right? That is. uh, Oh, however, however, justice is knocking at his door. All right. So you saw James Comer, the House Oversight Committee chair and Chuck Grassley. Looks like they've got uh, a form at the FBI that details uh, alleged bribery, uh, alleged bribery of then-Vice President Joe Biden. Bribery of then-Vice President Joe Biden. How about this? Do me a favor. Listen to, I went back to 2009 to watch when Joe, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you close that door? Uh, when Joe Biden actually uh, took the oath of office as vice president. This is January 20th of 2009. Something interesting happens. I mean, it could just be, tell me if I'm overreacting to this. Where is this? Uh, you hear him, there's a slight just a very slight uh, hesitation, all right? Uh, let's see here. Cut, cut 18, please. Cut 18, no, cut 19, cut 19. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And I will well and faithfully discharge. Did you hear a slight, slight hesitation? Did you hear? You know what I'm talking about? Everything else is boom, 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 with no rental. And then will you well and faithfully discharge? Was Joe already thinking about all his money-making schemes? Hey, now that I'm vice president, I'm like the grand poobah. There's no limit to my money-making. Will you well and faithfully discharge? And he just kind of, just a, a little bit of a beat there. I'll be back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so this thing with the subway chokehold is blowing up. Uh, a maniac uh, was getting in everybody's face, uh, saying all kinds of horrible things, uh, actually saying that I'm ready to die. It was scaring people, scaring people. And this day and age, you get right up into somebody's face and start yelling at them. Uh, you know that uh, you don't want to catch any diseases, so. This guy, we don't know who he is, 24 years old, put the man in a chokehold. And uh, the chokehold, well, look, if you're trying to subdue somebody, you don't want to, him to hurt anybody, what are your options? He didn't have handcuffs. He didn't have uh, 
He didn't have a weapon. He didn't shoot the guy. Uh, that's a way to subdue somebody. It is a way to subdue somebody who's threatening other people. I've seen it. My big question at this point, look, I have heard that he may have had that guy in a chokehold for 15 minutes. Where the hell were the cops? Right? Where are these new and innovative ways? Uh, didn't, didn't Eric Adams say something about flooding those? Uh, where are those robocops at least? Huh? I didn't see anything like that. Did you? Uh, I actually don't think this guy at this point did anything wrong. I think you got to defend yourself, especially when a maniac is getting in your face and in the face of other people. We've seen it a million times. If you haven't seen it in person, you've seen it, uh, you've seen the videos. Somebody, it's menacing and you're not allowed to do it. And of course, uh, all the people are assuming their roles. The, the left wing is saying all kinds of, ooh, this is murder. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was not on the train, says it was murder. Murder. That's one hell of a word. Let's see here. There were signs that the debate about the outcome had already begun. On CNN, the Times says the mayor urged caution. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said it was it was murder. Homeless advocates stood behind the victim, whose name is Neely, by the way, 30 years old. They describe him as a Michael Jackson impersonator. Isn't it time to kind of update your act? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's Michael Jackson. I, um he died, he died like 15 years. Anyway, that's there are Elvis impersonators out there, whatever. Uh, there was no empathy on that train car, said Kareem Walker, an organizing and outreach specialist at the Urban Justice Center who works with people who are homeless. There should be accountability for the death of Mr. Neely, he said. He Let's see, what does he say? There was no empathy on that train car. Hey, you know what else was not on that train car? Kareem Walker. What does he know? He did not need to, nor did he deserve to die in the manner that he did, Mr. Walker said. That's what really scares me, and that's what really breaks my heart. Again, Kareem, have you been on the subway? We're all scared down there. Uh, witnesses said that Mr. Neely was acting in a hostile and erratic manner toward other passengers on the train. Juan Alberto Vasquez, a freelance journalist who was riding on the train and who shot the video, said the victim was yelling about being hungry and thirsty. I don't mind going to jail and getting life in prison, Mr. Vasquez recalled him saying. I'm ready to die. That kind of language might have led other passengers to believe that Mr. Neely was going to do something violent, said Todd Spodek, a criminal defense attorney. I imagine that the collective feeling on that train was what was that something was happening, he said. Yeah, all right, something was happening. Uh, this raises questions about how people respond to the actions of the, quote, poor, the unhoused, and especially those perceived as suffering from mental illness, said Christopher Fee, an English professor at Gettysburg College who teaches about homelessness. Gettysburg College? Ever been to Gettysburg? It's like a little village. It's all fields. He's, he's, he's critiquing how people behave on the subway. What the hell is the English teacher talking about homeless people for, huh? Or unhoused, I should say. Those bystanders may have felt threatened by the victim, but they were not, in fact, attacked by him. Still, they watched him die. Yes, I gotta wait. I guess you gotta wait until you're stabbed or shot or smacked in the face. Now, you use your human, uh, God-given judgment and sense of danger. Adrian Adams. Did you know Adrian Adams was the city council speaker? The city is a totally different culture. Remember when that was like a big deal? Remember uh, Peter Valone or Andrew Stein? Now it's somebody named Adrian Adams. <laughs> Said in a statement that the legal uh, system's initial response to Mr. Neely's killing was disturbing and put on display. Uh, here we go. For the world, the double standards that black people, capital B, and other people of color continue to face. The perceptions of black people have long been interpreted through a distorted 
racialized lens that aims to justify violence against us. You know, what a uh, what a silly and I guess a statement designed to appeal to a radical base. But that's what these people need to stay in power, a radical base. Because New York, and most of you guys, by the way, don't live in New York City. Most of my listeners live outside New York City. God bless you, but you don't live in the city. And um, it only took 200,000 people to make Eric Adams mayor. It only took 82,000 people to make Alvin Bragg district attorney in a city of 8 million people. It's a it's a sin. I'd like to take a call from Sandra now in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Oh, hi, Greg. I'm, I'm listening to what you're talking about, and I'm thinking if that man held him down, maybe other people should have came to maybe loosen up the tightness that he had on the man. In other words, hold the man down, but more people could have helped him. And they were helping said, him. There were two guys. There were two guys right there. They were they were helping him. This do him. Look, this is not a this is not a trained person who does this. This is a guy who wanted to defend himself and others on the way to work. You know, was it handled perfectly? Nothing ever is perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. All right, we can sit here and uh, we can sit here. I can sit here at the microphone. Somebody can sit there at Gettysburg College and be all. Critical, but uh, I'm not going to be, quite frankly. I'm not going to be. I can't. I can't. I've seen it too many times myself. And I've wanted to do I, – I wanted to put a person or two in a chokehold, quite frankly. Uh, I found other ways out, so I didn't. Maybe there was no other way out. Anyway, let's what, – what else? Hi. Well, okay. So I wanted to talk about two things real quick, if I could. One about that Carol woman. You know, she said that rape is a sexy thing. She said – I know. I know. To see that stuff. Okay. So isn't it, and we all know it's coincidental that that episode took place and it was exactly like what she describes. So isn't it possible that she lured somebody in there to make her fantasy come true and she was blaming it on Trump or maybe a Trump lookalike? Ah, maybe, maybe this is her fantasy. Maybe she's the one with the fantasy. That is interesting. I like it, Sandra. You might be onto something. E. Jean Carroll made up this story. Actually, she saw it on TV about somebody getting raped in the dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman. And maybe that, uh, you know, triggered some interesting thoughts in her brain because this is a woman who is, um, well, erot- erotically oriented, I think we can say, based on the stuff that she has written. Do you have that E. Jean Carroll where she's fantasizing about rape? It's available. It's out there somewhere. I uh, I played it. Uh, that's a great point, Sandra. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, what's your other point? Okay. Trump said that <sighs> Biden ending the four, Title Forty Two is lunacy. You know, it's unconstitutional what Biden is doing to our country with all these unvetted people coming into our country. You have to remember, we all should remember, it only took nine people to coordinate that nine eleven catastrophe so I'm how many people how many people nine people no 19 there were 19 hijackers and there were a okay, lot of 19. folks there were a lot of folks in afghanistan pakistan and by the way unwitting people working at flight schools who helped train these guys oh and there was the 20th hijacker who wasn't able to get there that day zacharias musawi who i believe right now is in supermax yeah it doesn't take a lot of people to destroy something it takes a lot of people to build something but a, 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 only a few maniacs to destroy something thank you i think that uh, by the way the military has been dispatched to the border you know 1500 national guard troops or whatever who are going to do data entry this is a cosmetic move it's going to show that joe biden is tough right he's not uh, it's not an effective number it's 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 a sideshow 
And it will, I think it's an effort to take attention away from Title 42, which they will let expire. They will let it lapse. Remember, they, they actually pulled some righteous trickery because they, deep down, I don't think they want it to expire. Uh, but the left, they really want it to expire. They hate it. They absolutely hate it. Did you find that uh, crazy uh, E. Jean Carroll? Here she is. E. Jean Carroll, maybe she's the one who wanted to be, had this fantasy in her own brain. Go ahead. The word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm-hmm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. Ooh. Somebody pointed out that was she flirting? Was she flirting with Anderson Cooper? I think she was flirting with herself. You know, she's basically been inside for a long time, and then she finally got to talk to somebody. And I feel kind of sorry for her, actually. Uh, I do. And, oh, but, no, actually, I take that back. She is trying to destroy a great man, and it's not going to work. I noticed something, though, yesterday when she was going into the, uh, yeah, she's all dressed up. I mean, like, brand new expensive clothes. And her hair is done. I mean, she did not look. She looks like a totally new and different person. Very well groomed. When she was on the Anderson show, uh, she looked a little bit nuts. Okay. She really did. And she looked, I hate to say it, like, you know, bathing was optional. All right. You know, just, you know, not, not exactly clean. Um, I told you earlier about how Obama, it's the big, the big mistake that Tucker made was not attacking uh, white people, not putting them down. He basically said something uh, nice about white people. White people don't fight like that. Hmm? Is that the most racist, horrible thing you ever heard in your life? Um, remember, you can put down white people, but you can never support them or back them up. And Barack Obama knows that. I mean, listen to this. Listen to listen to him talk about his own grandmother. Cut 30. A uh, typical white person who... You know, if she sees somebody on the street that she doesn't know, you know, there's a reaction that's been bred into uh, our experiences that that don't go away and that sometimes uh, come out in, in the wrong way. And, and that's just the nature of race in our society. Oh, typical white person, huh? What is a typical white person? Is there a typical white person? Is there a typical black person? I actually don't think so. Not at all. Hmm. Uh, but again, Obama didn't get in any trouble for this because he's denigrating white people. And here he, here's more of that. Cut 31. My white grandmother, a woman who helped raise me, a woman who sacrificed again and again for me, a woman who loves me as much as she loves anything in this world, but a woman who once confessed her fear of black men who passed her by on the street and who on more than one occasion has uttered racial or ethnic stereotypes that made me cringe. Hmm. What was going on in the Obama household, huh? Um, here's a, this is a pretty disdainful kind of tone toward white people, I think. Ready? The White House Correspondents' Dinner in 2016, cut 29. I do apologize. I know I was a little late tonight. I was running on CPT. Which stands for 
jokes that white people should not make. <laughs> He's so amazing. He's Obama, right? Ooh, Obama. Yeah, white people aren't good at anything. You can't make certain jokes. You can't sing. You can't dance. Actually, Obama says uh, white people are bad singers. Here we go. Cut 32. A white newsman, Bill Plant, who covered the marches then and who is with us here today, quipped that the growing number of white people lowered the quality of the singing. Ooh, (laughs) more white people at a civil rights demonstration engaged in a what singing we shall overcome. The singing isn't that good because there are too many white people there because white people can't sing. Right. Right. Forget about uh, Pavarotti. Forget about Elvis Presley. Forget about uh, Lady Gaga. White people can't sing. It's prejudice. It's a stereotype. Hmm. MSNBC, you heard earlier, lost their mind about uh, Tucker's uh, uh, message, which, oh, by the way, is full of empathy, more empathy in this text message than I've seen any ever from uh, Joe Biden. You ready for it? I'm going to read the whole damn thing. I'm sorry. Front page news in the New York Times, top of the business section. Tucker, a text message from two years ago. Part of me feels ridiculous because it's a text message, okay, between two people two years ago. We got a president of the United States saying black people, if they have to vote a certain way or else they're not black. Now, that's racism. This, what I'm about to read to you, is not racism. But the, <laughs> the mainstream media making more out of this than a president saying the country is rotten. I'm sorry, our culture. We have a beautiful constitution. We have a beautiful um kind of theoretical government we have a beautiful but it's been totally perverted we have a media uh, establishment that are the enemy of the people we really do we've corporate america totally out of control they want to enhance their money and their power and their status and they will do it at our expense they will do it on our backs they will sacrifice us let's see here tucker carlson two years ago ready He's venting. He's 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 sharing himself with somebody. A couple of weeks ago, I, this is Tucker. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching a video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living s out of him. It was three against one, at least. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable. Obviously, it's not how white men fight. Yet suddenly, I found myself rooting for the mob against the man hoping they'd hit him harder. they kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Then, somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. The Antifa creep is a human being. Much as I despise what he says and does, much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere somebody probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? It's kind of an amazing statement. Yes, you know what? Bloodlust exists. Have you ever seen mixed martial arts, okay? And did he literally want the kid to be dead? I don't think so. Oh, but what about that part where he says uh, jumping a guy like that is dishonorable? Obviously, yes. It's not how white men fight. Hmm. Okay. Is that, that's what's really got him in hot water. Okay. This, uh, now remember what Barack Obama told us about, well, what's going on in our heads and in our hearts and sometimes around our dinner tables. The Obama said it out loud. Cut 28. 
Whether you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or of Middle Eastern descent, we have all seen this bigotry in our own lives at some point. We heard it at times in our own homes. If we're honest, perhaps we've heard prejudice in our own heads and felt it in our own hearts. We know that. Hey, I know this, Barack. I've heard it out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. You said it and you did it as president of the United States. Huh. Huh. Leave Tucker alone. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I love it when Trump unloads on issues that uh, people are talking about or know about and just goes there and pop culture and, and defends the queen. How about this one? Ready? He was talking to Nigel Farage, good buddy of mine. Uh, cut five, please. President Trump, cut five. But somebody else who's not coming, of course, is Meghan. Meghan is not coming. Harry is coming. We understand it's a complete in, out. Like within two hours after the service, he'll be gone. But I kind of think, I kind of think maybe we're better off without Meghan coming. Well, I think that uh, she has been very disrespectful to the Queen, frankly. Even during that time, I mean, how can you be disrespectful to the Queen? The Queen was incredible for years, for decades and decades. You never made a mistake. Think of it. With all of the people that you watch them, and you see they make lots of mistakes. If they're famous people or not famous mm. people. But I don't know. I can never think of a mistake no. that she made. She was never controversial. When I was with her, I tell the story, and I said, who was your favorite president? Oh, they were all great. They were all great. I said, who, but did you like Ronald Reagan the best? Oh, I liked them all very much. What about Richard Nixon? Oh, I thought he was wonderful. Then I said, who is your favorite prime minister? And she said, uh, just fabulous people, every one of them. But wasn't it Winston Churchill? Oh, I liked him very much. And I'm saying to myself, you know, this is so smart because there's like no controversy. She went through years and years and decades without controversy and just did a great job. You cannot be disrespectful to her. And I think Megan was very disrespectful to her. Uh, you know, and he did say in his book, uh, he, he said he, he gave that story in letters to Trump. And at the end, he goes, but I still actually think that she liked me better than everybody else. And, uh, wait, there's another thing in here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fox settling, writing a check for 787 million bucks. Huh? Now, do we have time? Cut six. Incredible that they did that. If you think of what they did, they're a platform. That would mean anybody that goes onto a platform that says something wrong, you're going to sue the platform? It's ridiculous. Why they pay this money? Uh, the election was rigged, and Rupert Murdoch should have talked about it. But Rupert Murdoch doesn't believe he can win a court case on that. But Rupert Murdoch's wrong. <laughs> and whoever settled this case for that much money, and I think it was an insult not only to Fox, it was an insult to all the people that work there, it was an insult to everybody that knows what happened during that election. Number one, they didn't use the legislatures. Number two, if you just look into modern times, just look over the last couple of months. The FBI dealt with Twitter. They call it Twitter files. That was cheating. Look at look at the I, fifty-one different. I have no doubt I, about look that. Look at the fifty-one different intelligence yeah. agents, so-called. Great stuff. More when I come back. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Judge, how are you? I don't know why you wanted the job, man. I appoint all those federal judges, but, you know, thank you for serving. I'm not kidding. You want to come and make a speech? Hush up, boy. 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 I'm trying to think about where I first saw that or heard that. Boy. Might have been in the Great Santini a movie about a um, fairly bigoted individual, flawed person, but um, also kind of a wonderful guy all at the same time. The Great Santini, the fighter pilot played by Robert Duvall in the movie. I kind of remember him saying, boy, what's the other one? Movie called Lords of Discipline, and they were hazing that poor cadet who happened to be black, and they didn't want him there because he was black, and they brought him out to some old uh, chicken coop, and they tied him up to a chair, and they poured gasoline on him, and they said that they were going to set him on fire, and they kept on calling him boy, because that's a, that has a really nasty racial connotation, doesn't it, boy? Especially when you're saying that to a Muslim judge. A Muslim judge by the name, I believe his name is Hakeem. Boy. Yeah, hear that one more time, please. Boy. Hey, Judge, how are you? I don't know why you wanted the job, man. I appoint all those federal judges, but, you know, thank you for serving. I'm not kidding. You want to come and make a speech? Hush up, boy. Wow. I wonder what he would say to Vivek Ramatswamy. They were, if he actually ever met him, Vivek. You know about him? He was here the other day, Vivek. He's 37 years old. Uh, brilliant. Off the charts, brilliant. I believe he's uh, Indian American and uh, great guy. And indications that uh, the establishment just might pick him as somebody they can rally around. Because DeSantis seems to be going nowhere, but there might be a plan to rescue DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis can't even seem to handle this part very well. What's it going to be like? <laughs> What's it going to be like a year from now if he's the guy? It's not going to be him. And it's not going to be Vivek either. It's going to be Trump. But I like Vivek. And listen to this stuff. Cut 34, please. Vivek Ramatswamy on the FBI. If you look over the course of the last 60 years, J. Edgar Hoover, what he did to Martin Luther King, that was an affront. It's still the J. Edgar Hoover FBI that people walk into down the street here in Washington, D.C. And I personally believe, as somebody who's running to actually run the executive branch of the government, when you have a bureaucracy whose culture becomes so ossified, every once in a while you need to turn it over. And I think that, yes, we need federal law enforcement, but that institution has, in a bipartisan way, become so... I think ossified in its own norms, in its own corruption, that we need to rebuild it from scratch. Yeah, totally. So uh, the New York Post, looking at Vivek, now obviously, as an institution, they're not fans of Trump. But I really do like their columnist over there, uh, Miranda Devine. She's been on the show a couple of times. Listen to this. Oh, shoot, an ad popped up for Saks Fifth Avenue Furniture. (laughs) While Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are busy tearing chunks out of each other, there is an unlikely sleeper candidate in the Republican race who is quietly winning hearts and awakening hope across the country with his sunny version of America First. 
Vivek Ramaswamy, 37, the woke-busting entrepreneur, son of Indian immigrants from Ohio, and the GOP's first millennial presidential candidate, is rising steadily in the opinion polls just 10 weeks after announcing his candidacy. Um, in one CBS poll this week, he managed to tie with former VP Mike Pence in third place among likely Republican voters ahead of establishment figures such as Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Tim Scott and Asa Hutchinson. Good for you, Vivek. He's pitching himself as a more energetic but less divisive version of Trump hmm. as the outsider that doesn't just talk about draining the swamp. He said in New Hampshire this week, I'm going to get the job done. I see an opportunity to do in 2020 what Ronald Reagan did in 1980. Win in a landslide. Mm, easy there, Vivek. <laughs> right. One of his problems is he's an incredibly bright guy. He's right on the issues. Um, I like him. But you got to take his word for it that he actually did any of this stuff. I don't know what the hell he did. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. And we have not seen any tangible proof of that. And it's not like we can point to, okay, he became the governor of Ohio. All right. We can see that. You can see it. You can feel it. You can know it. You got to just take his word for it that he made a fortune somewhere. We didn't know who this guy was until two months ago. That's a uh, that's a big challenge for him. Trump, we knew. We saw the buildings. We saw the TV show. We we knew him for decades. He didn't have to convince us that he was a serious person. That he had massive achieved massive things. So uh, back to this. He preaches that it is not enough merely to point out the hypocrites of the left, secular religions, of racial wokeism, gender ideology, and the climate cult. These are just symptoms of a national identity crisis, he says, caused by turning away from the founding values of the country, from success by merit and adherence to the rule of law, values that wooed immigrants like his Indian engineer father and psychiatrist mother to Ohio. Now, you got to remember this about Trump. I think what he's hinting at is I Trump just talked the game and I actually am ready to do it. Well, you got to remember this. They attempted to sabotage Trump's presidency. They did. They they I mean, they plotted to impeach him the night he was elected the night he was elected they went into uh they went into impeachment mode and came up with the russia 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 crap and the dossier and all that stuff to sabotage his presidency it won't work next time it won't faith patriotism hard work family these things have disappeared he says and he wants to fill that void with a vision of american national identity that dilutes this woke poison. With irrepressible charm, the father of two little boys has managed so far to maintain a friendship with Trump and avoid his ex-president's ire. But his entire pitch is an implicit repudiation of the older man. Yep, uh, you see, I, 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 I picked up on that, sure enough. I'm taking the America First agenda even further than Donald Trump did, but I also think I'll unite the country in the process, because if you're doing it based on first principles and moral authority then you can actually go further with the agenda instead of just doing it based on vengeance and grievance. If you look at Donald Trump's campaign, both in 2016 and 2020, it was not based on vengeance and grievance, all right? Yes, I know he has said those things out loud. He, t- he once said to you, yeah, I will, there will be retribution. But he says lots of things. He says lots of things. How, he doesn't speak to us in sound bites, all right? He doesn't speak to us. Even when he answered my question, you know, I sit down to, well, last week at Mar-a-Lago, he asked him a question, he talks for about two minutes. That's not a soundbite. You know, he's kind of like old school that way. He talks he talks in a pre-television era, in, kind of in an interesting way. 
and rallies. That's how we got to know him, through the rallies, watching the rallies. America first does not belong to Trump, he says. It does not belong to me. It belongs to the people of this country. That's what we have to keep in mind, not just personal vengeance and grievance. Okay, I don't think it actually is. uh, I don't think it belongs to Trump either. And I think Trump would say that. Trump was an outsider in 2015, but you only get to be an outsider once. Now Trump is the establishment and I'm the new out. Okay, give me a break. Now this is uh, wishful thinking on Vivek's part. Trump was just talked about building the wall. I'm using the military to secure the border. Okay, all right. Now here, uh, Ramaswamy is unimpressed by Trump's suggestion that he might boycott the primary debates. He'd better debate, Ramaswamy told a radio station in Keene, New Hampshire, Tuesday in a one-hour in-studio interview, meeting with 60 locals for breakfast at a nearby diner. I'm not going to make it easy for him to cower in fear. All right, now you're getting disrespectful. If you are the front runner, people debate on your terms. And I would like to know from Vivek Ramaswamy, all right, why the hell do you want the media there to protect you? Why do you need the media? Why should the media have a seat at the table when it comes to a debate? Really? I mean, they're horrible. They are enemies of the people. They don't belong there. And you can have, and I think Donald Trump has said this, do it Lincoln-Douglas style. Two people on a stage, three people, four people, and you can have a clock. Why does it have to be somebody who works for Fox News or CNN or MSNBC? Why? 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 How do they validate things? You don't need that. Let's have a clock. I speak, then you speak. Maybe you don't even need the clock. Let's just see you guys speak. That could be done. That really could be done. The media insists on ruining it through their phony baloney presidential debates commission. Does that thing still exist? Sponsored by Budweiser, by the way. Hey, who's that person who wanted to make a point about Budweiser? Uh, Diane in Brooklyn. Yes, hello. Hello, Diane. Shoot. My apologies. Uh, John in Rutherford. Don't. Oh, my goodness gracious. What horrible language. John in Rutherford, New Jersey. Yes. How you doing, Greg? I uh, love your show. Uh, everybody's coming out to protest this poor uh, uh, Marine. Where was the outrage when that elderly lady was uh, sexually abused, assaulted, or whatever it was, um, a couple of uh, weeks ago? Like the story had like one day traction and then disappeared. Did they ever catch the guy? Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't remember which uh, old lady you're talking about. When, what happened? When? Well, she was she was assaulted uh, on a subway, or I don't know if it was on a subway or on a platform, and everybody's taking videos of it, and nobody bothered to, to, to help the poor lady. <sighs> yeah, you know, I had this. Uh, I had a, I had a weird. I don't want to call it a premonition, but I had a feeling like this guy came very close to me, and he gave me a menacing look, and. Uh, at one point, I thought he was going to punch me, and he didn't, but it crossed my mind. But the big thing that I was worried about, I, I, <laughs> I could fight the guy. He'd win. He was much bigger. But you know what I thought? I thought if this actually happens, knowing what I know and knowing what I've seen and knowing how people have cameras, nobody would help me. And I thought about it. Would I crouch in a defensive position? Because I'm going to be there for a while getting beaten up. You're right. There's only outrage. You know when there's outrage? When political power and attention can be achieved. And what political power can be achieved by defending the rights of an elderly woman these days? Not much, apparently. Not much. But an unhoused, mentally ill person? There are all kinds of constituencies that want to milk that and exploit that. John, great point. Brian in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, hi. Hey, calling a grown man boy 
is probably one of the biggest insults what somebody can hurl. Oh, you mean when Joe Biden called that guy a boy? Yeah. Remember, he yeah. didn't call him a boy. He called him a boy. Let me hear it one yeah. more time. Right, one more time, bro. Hold on. Boy, go ahead. You want to come and make a speech? Hush up, boy. Hush up, boy. That is really bad. That is southern uh, ugliness. That's really weird. Southern ugliness from 200 years ago. The South's a great place. I've lived all over the South. Mississippi, North Carolina, Panhandle of Florida. I love it down there. A long time ago, it was a different world. Anyway, Brian, yeah, yeah, tell me more. Oh, uh, I was watching Death Wish 3 the other day. No kidding. You know what? I was just thinking about that movie eight minutes ago. Eight minutes ago when I walked in there. That's so crazy. You watched it. It's a great movie. It's so good. Remember when the guy, uh, when, uh, what was his name again? What the hell is his name again? The main, The main guy. Paul Kersey. Yeah, I know, but in real life. Uh, Bronson, Bronson, Charles Bronson. Remember when he finds the guy with the blonde hair and the vest and he's wearing, he goes like, and he's wearing the cross? And he says, do you believe in Jesus? You're about to meet him. Yeah, oh, man, I was like, wow. I was like, man, that was what I was just thinking about that. Uh, anyway, what about the movie? Um, was, well, that one was in New York. Was it? Was there ever a time when New York was that bad? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was actually, there, there really was. Um, but we learned, we, we fixed it. And I hear people say that all the time. Well, it's not quite, you know, it's not like 1980. It's not like, uh, 1975. But, you know, if, if infant mortality just skyrocketed 20%, you know, we couldn't go around saying, well, it's not as bad as it was in the 1930s. You know, like that's not how we uh, measure things. But, yeah, New York was pretty crazy. But, by the way, I think Death Wish 3 was in Los Angeles, right? Wasn't he based in L.A.? Didn't he move? Uh, Two was Los Angeles, three was New York. Because I've been watching all of them. You sure about that? Pretty sure, yes. You're about to meet him. Didn't that take place somewhere in... uh, didn't that take place like in a big garage in a warehouse somewhere in L.A.? Yes, yes. That wasn't that wasn't New York. That was L.A. That really? one was L.A. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, maybe I was thinking Death Wish too. Yeah, you were thinking Death Wish too. Oh, all right. Well, you were nice to me. You didn't call me out on it. I appreciate it. Anyway, the Death Wish movies are pretty cool, um, pretty amazing, and um, you know we can't. You know, whatever. Hey, look, I'm not going down. Are you? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If I were the guy who uh, put the man in a chokehold, I'd get a lawyer, big time, I'm sure he already has. He's not under arrest. And the first thing I'd look at is the uh, the autopsy results. And they're saying that asphyxiation is the cause. Um, but guess what? The head of the medical examiner's office is a political appointee, and they're subject to all kinds of political pressure, and they have a boss, the mayor. Um, and this has happened before. I pointed out George Floyd, the first go-round, the first autopsy said no evidence of asphyxiation, yet they had all kinds of evidence about drugs in his system, uh, COVID, all these cardiopulmonary issues, all kinds of things. You know, just because you have somebody in a chokehold, 
does not mean you're actually exerting pressure on the neck. It's more of an upper body restraint restraint maneuver. It's not the same thing as strangling somebody. It's different. It's a way, it's a way to control somebody, but you are not, you're not stopping them from breathing. You're not. You could quite frankly see indications of that with Floyd. You could see indications with that. I already saw with this guy who's talking and it, and, and kind of moving around. But it's like, if you, if you resist, I'm here and I, I, I got you. And where the hell you got to, he needed cops. He needed the cops to come. So, uh, the first autopsy in the Floyd case, no asphyxia. Well, guess who got mad? Uh, Democrats all over the country, including a coroner, a medical examiner in Washington, D.C., who fired off a really mean, nasty email saying, you are going to tell me, uh, that that didn't happen when I saw it with my own eyes. You better come back with a result or we're going to cancel you. The medical examiner community will cancel you, will come after you. Believe it or not, there's a medical examiner community. Did you know that? All I know about medical examiners, I learned on Quincy. And so he writes this letter, and presto changeo, they come up with a new uh, autopsy report that says it was neck compression that led to the death. Uh, But apparently the first time there was no evidence of that. But the politicians wanted there to be some. Carl Rove... Paul Ryan, they desperately want to stop Trump. And these guys who have access and are working in collusion with oligarchs all over the place are moving heaven and earth to stop Trump. All right? Keep that in mind. And they're going to pick somebody. They've already, they, they tried DeSantis. That may or may not. They're, they're losing confidence. Are they moving to Vivek Ramatswamy? Huh. Indication that that might be happening as well. And there's something about the Super Tuesday strategy. Could they come up with enough delegates in California, anti-Trump delegates in California, to stop Trump? Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Do you remember Chief Joseph Esposito, longtime uh, chief of the New York City Police Department? Uh, great guy. Uh, retired when my dad was there. I think he was hired initially as chief by, uh, by Giuliani. He was there for like at least a decade or so. Uh, an amazing law enforcement, uh, professional. He's retired now and he just had a bit of a health stumble. Uh, the other day he was just kind of, people thought he had a stroke. He was kind of mumbling his words and, uh, they brought him to the hospital. It turns out brain tumor, brain tumor. So, he is, uh, I guess they did a biopsy and they're waiting on the results. Uh, I, I love it if, uh, we'd have Espo. Espo! That's what they call him. Espo around here, uh, for another 30 years. I uh, hope he lives to be a hundred. Uh, I'm sure he'll get through this. Tough guy, uh, knows the department, um, through and through. Wonder what he makes of this decline that we're in the midst of. Gotta have him back as soon as he's ready. As soon as he's ready. And, uh, hey, I will tell you this also. Uh, Mm, I'm reluctant to do so because maybe I should do a little bit more homework, but I'm hearing some decent things about the police commissioner, Keechan Sewell. And I'm hearing him consistently enough and from some people that I, whose opinion I trust and value. So it's been kind of tough uh, at times. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, hmm. After I heard, after I heard a couple of uh, reviews and I found out some things, I was like, you don't say, huh? All right. So anyway, uh, headline here, Chief Espo, 
Chief Espo, Joseph Esposito, uh, we hope you get better, okay? An, an amazing law enforcement professional and all-around great guy. He lost his wife a couple of years ago. You know, there are some great marriages out there, but this one was like, whoa. <laughs> the, 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 the energy those two had together is just nuclear, unbelievable. And, and she died unexpectedly. I think it really, really affected him. I know it did. So we're all, uh, rooting and praying for Chief Esposito, uh, that this all works out and he's, uh, back on his feet and back on the job. Okay. That would be a great, great thing to see. Um, hey, one other thing, going back to uh, Trump, if you don't mind, and I told you how much Rove hates him, how much Paul Ryan hates him, uh, billionaires all over the place uh, aligned against him, uh, the people. It's the people who are with him, and everyone's plotting and scheming against him. He just keeps fighting. Trump keeps fighting. Um, in one of the big complaints that the rhinos say, he keeps talking about the 2020 election. Well, I think you got it, quite frankly, because if they steal it once, they can steal it again. Especially, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's the only one who knows what that's like. He's the only one to know what the it's like to have an election stolen from him. And I do believe. Can I prove it? I can't. I don't have the technical ability. We've been through this before. I've gone through Pennsylvania. I've gone through all the bellwether states. The cir- circumstantial evidence is overwhelming. But he's the only one who knows what that feels like. I think actually Carrie Lake knows what it feels like too. Carrie Lake, uh, I think she is the, uh, she actually was elected governor of Arizona, but she's not the governor of Arizona right now. So, uh, let me hear this please. They say you can't talk about that. Well, Democrats talked about January 6th for two years. Democrats talked about the campaign of 2016 for four years, right? They're always looking back. Whenever it's in an attempt to get Trump, you can look wherever the hell you want. Cut 20, No, cut eight, please. Cut eight. Trump with Nigel. We're going to get energy prices down. We're going to get taxes down. We're going to get interest rates down. Our country's gone crazy. Interest rates are through the roof. Taxes are through the roof. They want to quadruple taxes in the United States. Now, historically, that's been a very bad thing if you're a politician. We're going to raise your taxes. Think of it. We're going to raise your taxes, and they're supposed to win. The way they win is by cheating. And you have to learn by history. You can't just say, well, we're not going to talk about something anymore. I talk about positive. Energy's coming down. Interest rates are coming down. You're going to be able to get your homes again. Right now, people can't buy a home. So this is, this is the pitch. Well, this that's, is the pitch that's part of it. The economy was great, and yeah. we're going to have a strong border. Our border is pathetic. We will have, at the end of this year, 15 million people, in my opinion, come into the country. 15 million. That's bigger than New York State. They come from mental institutions. They come from prisons, jails. They come from everywhere. We have no idea. And some seeking a better life. Sure, some seeking a better life. But how many? Look, if you look at the prisons, if you look at mental institutions all over the world, they're being emptied out into our country because we have an incompetent president. That man is incompetent. And it's a shame and he's not running it anyway. People around him, a very smart group of Marxists or communists or whatever you want to call them, around them, that's who's running our country. He's not running the country. He's now in Delaware sleeping. Final. You can't even come <laughs> to your coronation as a country. Your coronation's a big event. Hopefully that won't take place for another long time. He'll live a good life and she'll live a good life and it'll be a long time. But that's a big event. And he can't go. I love it. All right, here's the part where he's talking about uh, the election. Oh, why are you doing that, Mr. President? You shouldn't talk about that. Cut seven. 
Where I disagree with you slightly on this is right or... And we've seen plenty of electoral fraud here. Don't worry. I've seen it as well in this country. Anytime you have mail-in ballots, you're going to have a... I, listen, okay. and I've always made that argument, but I would say this to you. You know, when you came around in 2016, you said to the American people, I'm one of you, I'm not one of them, right, in right. the Beltway, right. I'm on your side, I'm going to fight for you, I'm going to do X, Y, Z and make America better, make your right. lives better. Exactly. My point to you is, if you're going to win this next year, in November 2024, you're not going to win it talking about what happened last time. But You've Nigel, to, you brought it you up. Got, haven't you got to send a positive message to hundred percent. You brought this up to me. I didn't bring it up to no, you. No, sure. You know, you mentioned sure. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, look, it was real. Yeah. And I say that. I'll always say that. Uh, it doesn't mean that out of a one-hour speech, I'm going to devote half of it to this. I might devote 10 seconds to it. Okay. But the election was rigged. It was a rigged election. It was a very dishonest election. And you have to go back. In my opinion, you go to paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, you know, all of this stuff. That's, and that's, state by state, this can happen, can't This it? is going to happen, but it should happen quickly. And where, wherever you have a Republican governor, it should happen immediately. You know, governor that has a little bit control over the state. But, you know, you did bring it up. I, uh, he did bring it up. <laughs> He's a totally uh, right to talk about it. Should talk about it. Absolutely needs to be discussed. Phil, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Hi. Hi, Greg. Hey, uh, do you have a real penchant for criminals? Uh, proud boys. No, the proud, proud boys. They're boys. not criminals. They're a bunch of great guys. And I'll tell you something else. That Enrique Tario, I love it. They say an Afro-Cuban. They say an Afro-Cuban is a white supremacist, right? It's such a joke. It's such a joke. And what they have done, what they have done to this uh, man and, yeah, this organization. I mean, you know what? This is uh, still supposed to be a free country. And people can get together and have views that uh, don't allow. How do you feel about Black Lives Matter? How do you feel about Antifa? How do you feel about what happened during 2020? Antifa is mostly a right. Ah, yeah, right. Antifa is an idea. Antifa, uh, oh, Antifa is yep. right wing. Yep. Uh, right, yep. right. Listen, conservatives stand for this. Somebody actually asked me the other day, uh, you know, you're bringing a friend to dinner. I hope they're not right wing. I said, what do you mean by right wing anyway? What does right wing mean? I was like, oh, uh, January 6th, January 6th. Forget labels for a second. Are you for a strong border? I hope so. I am. Are you for not getting involved in unnecessary, never-ending wars? I am. Are you for less regulation? I am. Are you for freedom? Are you for the Second Amendment? If you want to lump that all in and say it's right-wing or whatever, go for it, Phil. Hey, where's Dublin anyway? Upper Bucks County. Is Bucks County wealthy? Somebody asked me this the other is it like well is it wealthy and woke? Or is it working class? It's kind of wealthy and woke, right? No, it's 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 more. It's interesting. It's uh, I, I think it leans to the right overall. Hmm. I, I know you can see it from the Empire State Building if you look. Uh, look, Phil. I you know we, we disagree. Uh, I'm for law and order. I really, you know what I mean. I'm for if you want to get something done to your body, uh, 18 and up, go for it. Uh, right wing. It has such a negative connotation. You want to call me a right winger? Fine. Proud boys are allowed to drink beer and, <laughs> and tell, tell off color jokes. You're allowed to do it. Explain to me, uh, wait, you said they're criminals. Do you think they're white supremacists? They are criminals. They're, they're all criminals. Criminal. criminals. They're all criminals. All right. They're all criminals. Every single person in the Proud Boys is a criminal. Most How about this? How about this, Phil? You burn a black lives. I got, got to admit. 
He did break the law. He burned a Black Lives Matter flag, and there's nothing more precious these days than Black Lives Matter flags, huh? All right, I'll see you later. Good luck in Bucks County. Uh, let's see here. I want to do, do I want to go like that? This is Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul, this dimwit, yeah, she is still. Cut 36, if you don't mind. Here she is telling us what kind of gas stoves we can have going into the future. Cut 36. Just like we had to go from a you know, long time ago, can transition from coal as your energy source. We do yeah. have to transition. There are clean energy alternatives. It's going to take time. And I want to make sure that New Yorkers don't get hit hard for the cost. So we're going to roll this out. But new buildings that are going up. They can find, they can go electric, they can do heat pumps. This is how you transition. This is how you transition. What business is it of hers? What kind of stove you have? This is a, this is why the left, this is the left pursues power. They love power. They love people. They love control. Just stay the hell out of it. You can't tell me that my gas stove is somehow undermining the environment. Get the hell over yourselves. Let me go to Jan in Sussex County. Where's Sussex? Somewhere in, that's New Jersey, right? Way out. Do you have a, are you on a farm? No. No. I gotta censor you when you say all these bad words. Sorry. John in Madison, New Jersey. Hello. How you doing, Greg? Good. Good. First of all, I have your book. Second of all, I also have two daughters. I'm a godfather aficionado. I'm a landscaper, and our industry loves Donald Trump. And uh, the line about boy in a famous movie was this. I'm going to try to use the tone and the character, okay? Okay. Okay. On your feet, boy. And I mean now. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's coming back to me. It's deliverance, right? No. Shoot, keep giving me a few more lines. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else did he say right there? On your feet, boy. Uh, And I mean now. On your, and I mean now. All right, tell me the movie. Yeah. Hands up. Okay, I'll give you the movie. It's Warren Oates as a police officer confronting Sidney Poitier in the heat of the night. When Poitier was actually a cop at the train station. In the heat of the night with Sidney Poitier. I would love to That's check that right. out. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. Sidney Poitier, uh, great man, oh, by the way. Great, great man. He just died a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah. Thank you, pal. Uh, interesting little tidbit there. In the Heat of the Night is a movie I've never seen. It's a TV show, unfortunately, I've seen many times. Whatever happened to Carol O'Connor? He did some great television, and then he was in the most boring TV show ever made, In the Heat of the Night. Not good. Give me one moment, please. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I really hope that uh, pardons and sentence commutations or uh, clemency or whatever are in store for these Proud Boy guys who I do believe were wrongfully convicted on a host of charges, including seditious conspiracy. The jury didn't even know what that hell that meant. And they needed read back to him ten times, and took them an awful long time to come up with a uh, verdict. Uh, I hear, by the way, that uh, some of these uh, juries in the January sixth trial. Guess what they did after the trial? They were given the finger to the defendants. You know, f you, that kind of thing, because uh, the whole environment has been so poisoned. Right? You can't get a fair trial in America right now 
regarding January 6th. It's a given. It's a corporate given. It's a media given. It's a big tech given. It's a Democrat Party given. It's a government given that January 6th was the worst thing that ever happened, right? January 6th. Oh, my God. The horns guy was inside. It's very interesting, actually, about uh, behavior and what's tolerated from certain people and what's not tolerated from other people. I'm going to have more on that later. Uh, all right. I got to get ready for the big show across the street. And that means I'm going to go through some phone calls really quick, except for you, Barbara. We have uh, always time for you. But before that, uh, uh, let's Andrew and Stanhope. Yeah. I'm in Sussex County. It's picturesque where people and nature live together. Slogan, Buck County's working class. All right, Andrew. Hey, I, I appreciate it. You don't have to give me the recap of the whole show. Just tell me what you got to say. I love you, but go for it. Hochul, she's backward. Um, the gas, natural gas, is extremely clean burning. It's it's described or classified as a fossil fuel, but it's clean burning. And I love the Proud Boys. People from Cuba are the most patriotic Americans, especially those who immigrated first generation. They hated communism. And they love America. And I told the same joke Obama did about the white people in church. All right, good. Don't repeat it here. I can't stand the jokes. I really can't stand the jokes. Anyway, Andrew, thanks a lot. Keep it up. Say hi to everybody uh, where you work. And uh, I think, actually, Barbara, it's you. It's all you. Hello. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I'm calling because, as I mentioned yesterday, today is the National Day of Prayer. And President Biden, as every president does, issued a lovely um, proclamation about the importance of prayer and religion to the entire American people. Meanwhile, his Department of Health and Human Services is denying freedom of religion and the right to pray and so forth to Catholics who have have relatives who are in the hospitals in Oklahoma. The HHS has told these Oklahoma hospitals, this Oklahoma Catholic hospital system, that they will lose the right to treat patients with Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, if they do not extinguish the candle, the single candle that burns in the chapel in these hospitals. These hospitals treat 400,000 patients a year. They're the 12th largest hospital system in the country. And they've had candles in some of these chapels for over 60 years. And now all of a sudden, they're told, if you don't extinguish these candles, which are extremely important in a Catholic chapel. Now, what's the problem they have with the candle? They say they're a fire hazard. Well, you know, I have been in churches where they have the little uh, electronic candles. I mean, it's right. I mean, I mean, it's not inconceivable. I mean, right. But well, the thing with that is, Greg, I read a little further into this and there are um, sprinkler systems around the candle. Um, I'm sure there are fire alarm and smoke alarm detections in these hospitals, but they have the government has okayed these candles for over 60 years. Look, now, yeah, I know. Back- Look, candles make me a little bit nervous sometimes. They do. They they just do. I mean, they can start a fire. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but do you think it's a ruse? It's not really. They're not really worried about fire. They they just want to. They're just hassling Catholics. Well, all of a sudden, the the fact that makes me believe that is that it has changed all of a sudden. After over 60 years, now this year, this cannot be. 
Meanwhile, when when the last administration was in, President Trump had um, an initiative to stop things like this, to prevent them from happening or to remedy them when they're happening. He established the White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative. And this was a huge, huge government-wide program. And what it meant to do is to go in and protect religious freedom and conscience rights for faith-based groups that wanted to provide community services okay. or for just community groups. I love it. I love it. All right, let me try this again. Americans for Religious Freedom, right? Americans for Freedom of Religion. Shoot. What are these? <laughs> Americans for Freedom of Religion. Barbara, you are the best, and I appreciate it so much. Everybody go to uh, AmericansforFreedomOfReligion.org. I know you do the initials. It'll pop right up, though, if you put it in the Google and uh, thank you so, so, so much. Uh, good stuff. Oh, i got to check in with Eddie very quickly. He's in Garden City, my hometown, yes. Uh, <laughs> lovely place, too, it really is. Uh, I was down there on January 6th and uh, in a parking lot in Bethesda in a hotel met uh, about seven Proud Boys. And they said to us, you guys are cool. Uh, we'll keep you safe. They protected us from some Antifa, Antifa thugs. And uh, there was a lawyer, a uh, vice president of human resources for a hospital, and a guy named Brian was very aggressive. I mean, we were out there. We met hundreds of thousands of people. I heard Trump and Rudy speak, and that was enough for us. Went back to the hotel room. Brian texts uh, one of the guys, one of the Proud Boys, and he says, I'm in. And they go, in where? He said, in the White House. So if there's a list of people who are arrested and in jail right now, one of them's name is Brian. He was a. No, I, I mean, you're losing me. What the hell's going on? I don't get it. What? What? What do you, what do you mean? Uh, I don't understand. What's your point? I mean, all right, you were there, but you, then you went back to the hotel. I don't know who Brian is and why he's texting you, but what's the bottom line? One of the, Brian was one of the Proud Boys. And? That we met when we got there. All right, and so? Unlike, unlike the other ones, he went into the Capitol. Yeah. And I know he got arrested. All right. Because he texted the other guys who were in our room. We we're having hamburgers and hot dogs that I'm in. I'm in. You just but gave this guy your text? You're just texting some guy you just met? Anyway, look, what are you going to do? So he's oh, in. no, no. So he's in trouble. Or he got busted. Whatever happened to him? You don't know. He's probably in a, you know, prison. Probably. I hope not. Anyway, because a lot of these guys were let in. I'll see you tonight at 10 o'clock.